Remain standing as we read from the word of the Lord this morning. Psalm 86, verse 11 says this. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth and unite my heart to to fear your name. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather um, and to just be, to be invited into your presence, to be uh, challenged, to be given uh, just a, a life of, of greater conviction to the things of you. Lord, we just pray that your spirit uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth today and to respond to it. That's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. 10.30 a.m. on July the 2nd, 1982, Larry Walters, local truck driver in Southern California, went and loaded up with some essential survival tools. Uh, he, he had a first aid kit, a pocket knife, uh, some bottles of water, maybe his favorite soda. He took a seat in his lawn chair in his backyard. It wasn't a normal lawn chair because as he strapped himself into his lawn chair, his lawn chair was equipped with 42 helium-filled weather balloons. As he began to cut his chair free, Larry and his lawn chair and 42 balloons began to lift into the air and the legend of Lawn Chair Larry was born. He thought at first that maybe he would hang out 100 so feet in the air. He tried to do the math on the physics behind the the, the floating balloons and his weight and all sorts of stuff. And, but he tethered a line to his 1962 Bonneville parked in the driveway. However, the weather balloons were so strong and he rose with such force that the line went taut and snapped immediately and Larry saw himself quickly rise above 100 feet. He was at 200, then 500, then 1,000, then 5,000. And Larry Walters eventually found himself 16,000 feet into the air, into the atmosphere, um, starting to worry and also for, to have the only way that he was, had to radio in for help was for planes to acknowledge him as they were flying around Southern California and call the air traffic controller and say, well, something's going on up here that's kind of crazy. Larry did have a plan for this, however. He, he had a thought enough, thought ahead enough to bring his pellet gun loaded with pellets and CO2 cartridges and to be able to shoot down the balloons. And that proved successful until... He dropped his pellet gun out of his lawn chair and it fell down to the earth. He said in an interview later, he was hopeful no one was down there because that pellet gun would have hurt as it hit them from 16,000 feet in the air. While he wasn't successful in shooting down all his balloons, he was able to start the leak enough to lower himself down a little bit at a time. Um, And he managed to use some water bottles that he had on on his chair as a ballast of letting the water out and all sorts of stuff to kind of bring him back down. He eventually got held up in some power lines, luckily not electrocuted. And then kind of in the end of all of this ruckus, this circus of a day for Lawn Cherry Larry Walters, after he deals with the firefighters that came to rescue him, with the police that came to arrest him and fine him for hanging out in airspace that didn't belong to him, for making uh, local airports completely reroute their plans for the day, a local news reporter came and spoke to him and asked Larry the question that we all were wondering, Larry, why did you do this? Why did you get in your chair attached to 42 helium weather balloons and take off into the atmosphere? Larry, what made you do this? And Larry answered profoundly, well, a man just can't sit around, can he? (laughs) The truth is, like Larry, 
We're not, neither can we. We're not supposed to be people that just sit around. We are supposed to be people that are called and commissioned and prompted to walk in truth and to fear the name of the Lord as we read today. We're not, we don't run, we don't have the liberty to be people that just receive the understanding of who Jesus is and just find ourselves sitting still. That we're to be people on the move and on the move for the gospel to become more known in our life and to be more known from our life. We're to be people that walk in a relationship with the real resurrected Jesus. You know, some of us, and I've been in church my whole life, I've been around lots of people that have been involved in church that have the routine down, they have the ritual down. They understand the heritage of faith and how it fits into the schedule and the calendar, and especially even in the Southeastern United States, how it has a place of belonging. But to this day, they might not have an actual relationship with the risen Christ. I was just at a FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes event this past week, and hearing about um, all the ways that they've seen the gospel go forth in local schools, schools like Anderson and Franklin County and Western Hills High School, and to the universities and hearing from coaches and athletes and all sorts of stuff. And they kept saying time and time again about what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And sometimes I feel like we lose that. We, we forget that it is still about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that today. That when we walk and we don't find ourselves just sitting around and we walk or are on the move, it's we're on the move with our personal Savior and he's on the move with us. You know, I don't know every sermon that's preached here, although I, I've heard quite a few of them in my day. Um, I do know this. I do know there has been a consistent phrase that's been said at this church for many, many years now. And that's that we desire to know truth and we recognize that truth is a person. It's not just a concept. It's the person of Jesus. John chapter one would say that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God or is God. He is presently God. The word and, the God, and God and Jesus are the same thing. You know, there's a, there's a story in the New Testament of a, of a disciple that kind of gets an unfortunate nickname. You, you might know this one. He, he, uh, when, he, when Jesus was resurrected, he wanted to meet him. And he not only wanted to meet him, he wanted to see the places in his hands and the places in his side and the places in his feet that the nails had gone through. And, and that disciple carries the nickname of what? What is it? Yeah. Doubting Thomas, right? But that's an unfortunate way for Thomas to be memorialized. And here's why I say this. It's because of all the disciples of Jesus, the one that traveled the farthest, carrying the gospel to the ends of what he knew to be the earth, all the way to the southern tip of India, not with plane or train or automobile, but in walking and maybe horseback or, or, or moving at a, at a very slow pace, the person that carried it the farthest was doubting Thomas. That doesn't sound like much of a doubter to me, does it you? Sounds like somebody that had a great deal of confidence and a great deal of relationship with the resurrected Christ. We are to have that same relationship. And so a question that comes to me is, do we allow the truth we understand from Jesus and Jesus himself to give us that same confidence that we would be people that go and move and don't just find ourselves like Larry sitting around? That's a good question for us. In John chapter six, it's kind of a little bit of a, of a hall of fame chapter in the Bible. It, it has a bunch of, of hall of fame-ish moments. It has this moment where Jesus feeds uh, 5,000 men, what we would believe would probably be at least 5,000 women and children. So we'll say 10,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He feeds them all on the side of a mountain. Then, then a few verses later, uh, you see that in the same chapter, Jesus walks on water. And then a few verses after that, he's on the other side of the lake. The people go all the way around the lake to come see him again because they hope 
to get some free food again. You know, it's like, hey, this guy had a buffet last time, I'm gonna come back and check him out. And Jesus shows up to this moment where this crowd is gathered all around him and he challenges them. This time he doesn't give them all they can eat, you know, an all you can eat brunch on the, on the mountain. He, he challenges, he's like, you're not here for me. You're here because I gave you your fill of loaves and fish. And he starts to offer them a teaching about who, who he is that's difficult for them to hear. And slowly but surely, people start to trickle away. You know, for them, it was about the routine. It wasn't about the relationship. They start to trickle away. And he looks at Simon Peter, one of his disciples, and he says to him, are you going to leave too? Is this too hard for you? Are you going to leave as well, just like everyone else? And Peter looks back at the Lord and says, where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Now, I would love to tell you that if I was interviewed by Jesus today and he said, Andrew, are you going to trust anyone else or anything else um, with your life or as a, uh, as a source of life? Are you going to trust anything else? I would love to tell you. And honestly, I think I'd say the right thing with the mic in my face. No, Lord, where else am I going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. But here's the truth. I don't say this just for me. I, I bet I say it for us. The truth is we find ourselves turning elsewhere more often than we think. We trust other sources for life and enjoyment and satisfaction. We put a great deal of trust in trivial things. We put a great deal of trust in people and politics and entertainment and opportunity in our jobs as opposed to putting our trust in the only one that brings life. And so that gives us the question, where do we turn first and most formatively as a source of what we trust. And my encouragement today, and where we're gonna be in the text today is in Psalm 119, uh, 105 through 107. I hope we turn to his word. Now, I remember as a kid, I used to do vacation Bible school. Now, I, I got to experience some Hope Style VBSs. And if you have any background in any other church, you know that Hope Style VBS is a little different thing. Um, it's like vacation Bible school on steroids here at this place. So much so that our church in Lexington comes here. Often we bring kids here. I bring my family here. We love Hope VBS. But when I grew up, we didn't have Hope VBS. We had kind of old traditional county seed Southern Baptist Church vacation Bible school. The kind where you walk in the flags and the Bible and you say a pledge to them. Anybody remember that growing up? Right? And I can still remember the pledge to the Bible um, because I would, uh, somebody would always have to say it. You know, one of the kids would get up and lead it and I always wanted to lead the pledge to the Bible. And it was, you know, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word may make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I'll hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Now get that pledge, so to speak, from, from Psalm 119, 105 through 107. And that's gonna be where we hang out today. And I, I just wanna invite you to go there with me this morning as we get some encouragement on what it means to be people that have the same spirit, maybe not the same activity or behavior as Larry, but the same spirit as lawn chair Larry that aren't content just sitting around. People that walk. Verse 105, your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I want you to circle those two personal pronoun my's if you do that in your Bible. Highlight them on your app if you're using your phone. And I want you to realize that the word of God, the truth of Jesus, the truth of who God is, is for your feet today. Yes, he's for our feet collectively, but he's for your feet today. He is personally for you. He is personally a light to your path. In Psalm 16, 11, if so have the same sentiment, he, 
the word says, you make known to me, personally me, the path of life. And he does the same for you. There's something significant about this as we think about what it means to have a lamp light our path or truth light our path and, 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 and light our, the way of our feet. Um, I said this in the first service. I actually said this in my church not long ago. Uh, if I ever, if, if, as holidays roll around, you know, Father's Day is coming up next month. If I think about what I'm gonna get my dear old dad for any gift, there's like, a, there's like a certain formula that always works. If I take the amount of money that I have to spend on a gift, and that's one marker metric, and the other metric is as bright a luminous light as I can possibly buy, wherever those intersect is always gonna be an appropriate gift for my dad. So it's like, okay, you got a hundred bucks to spend. How many lumens can I get for a hundred dollars? Where can I find it? You know, am I shipping it from Japan or China? Or am I finding it here? Like, I just got to find most lumens per dollar and he will be happy with that gift. If you know my dad at all, he's a flashlight fanatic, you know? And Greg Scott and I were talking in the first service. Um, he used to have a, a Polaris ATV side by side. It had a big light bar on it. And you could, like, if you turn that thing on, roosters would wake up. They'd be like, ah, sun, sun's out, you know, shining to the other county. He loves that kind of illuminating light. However, the gospel or the, the psalmist didn't write about a light that shines the next county over in your journey. The psalmist writes about the word of God, the truth of God being just a lamp into your feet. How far does a lamp illuminate in the middle of darkness? You know, maybe 10 feet in front of you, 15 feet. You might be able to see a little bit more distant than that, but you're not flipping the switch on the LED wall and blinding the next, you know, the, the, the livestock on the farm over, right? Like you can only see a little bit ahead of you. This is intentional. Do you wanna know why this is intentional? Because God doesn't want you worried about what's a hundred steps away. If you'll trust him, if you'll trust him, he'll illuminate all you need to see just right in front of you. Just right in front of you. And you'll be able to take those steps of faith. You'll be able to take those steps of confidence that you can see the path that you need to see. Maybe not the path that you want to see. Maybe not the path that I want to see, but the path that you need to see. And the truth is, if we walk in the truth of Jesus, every step should be an exercise of our faith in Christ. Every step. Shouldn't just be the, the big ones. It shouldn't just be the ones we're worried about. It should be every step. And we know that because his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto to my path. I'm gonna give you some questions to consider with this verse, verse 105. Has the word of God been lighting your path lately or have you been trying to find other sources of light? Make sense over the decisions you need to make or the conflict that you're facing or the opportunity that you have in front of you. Something else, you've been trying to trust something else to light your path to go into those or have you been really letting the word of God light your path? Maybe a better question is, is your lamp, is the right lamp for you even on? Or are you trusting your own senses and your own judgments? Are you trusting him? Second one would be, where is it leading you? Where's the lamp for your feet, the light for your path? Where is it leading you? And lastly, like, who are you telling this to? Are you in conversations with people, maybe not daily, but regularly with a spouse or your kids or a coworker or a friend or a, maybe a more of a distant, you know, a cousin or an uncle? Or are you in a conversation with, man, I really feel like the Lord has shown me in my way 
this or that, or this is the step I need to take, or this is how I should proceed in peace. Maybe there's a business deal in front of you. Maybe there's a re- relational conflict you're trying to resolve. Maybe, maybe there's a, a, you know, some mess that, that you feel like you've gotten into and this is kind of the way out. Like, are you, are you in a conversation with other people about what the Lord is revealing to you? This is a way that I feel like I'm led to walk. Because when you do that, not only are you displaying your confidence in the Lord, but you're saying to other people, like, I don't trust my own senses. I had a, a guy that I, I, I meet with every week. He's um, somebody I've met with for over two years, every single Thursday, not every week. We'll occasionally miss each other, but we try to meet every Thursday. And the company that he works for was facing layoffs. And uh, he was talking about it, um, about the potential of being laid off and young, young family, you know, late twenties. And, you know, he'd kind of just jump started it just to begin in his career. And of course, he might have to reset that. And we were talking about, I said, are you concerned? And he said, honestly, no. He was like, yeah, I mean, there's part of me that gets worried. He's like, but I know that if, even if I, if I get laid off, I'll have a little bit of severance to get to the next opportunity for me. And he's like, but here's the thing. I've just confessed a long time ago, Andrew, that God knows what's best for me. Amen. And even though that I might, I might get an email on Monday that says my, my role is no longer a, a, you know, a role at my company, even though I might get that email next Monday at 11 o'clock. I'm confident that God knows what's best for me. Like, and him saying that, him walking through that process was him declaring like, I still trust the word of God and the truth of God, the truth of Jesus to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It might not be what I, have cho- what I would have chosen for myself, but I trust him. And so who are you telling this to? Have you ever sat down with your kids and talked to them about how the Lord has, has illuminated your path for you? Path for your family, the choices you might have to make as a mom or as a dad or as a husband or as a wife. We're going to 106. I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Some things I want to draw our attention to here in, in 119, 106. Have we given our word, have we given our word to the Lord to keep his righteous ways and his righteous decrees and his righteous demands. And more than that, do we agree that his ways really is righteous? Will it really is what's right for us? This book, using my iPad here, but this book right here, it's not just a bunch of good ideas. It's not just history. It's not just, you know, stuff that's housed in a museum. Like this book right here determines a lot for us. Like I know we've turned, we've thrown the term around fake news all over the place and Truthfully, there's been a lot of it, but here's the even a greater realization. Anything other than this, kind of fake news, all right? Or all the way fake news. Doesn't matter if it aligns with your preference, like this is our source of truth. And the word of God says we must make a commitment to keep his way right and to acknowledge it as right. This book in the face of not just our current cultural trends, but every cultural trend that's ever existed in any country. And believe it or not, the only Christians aren't American. It's not just our current socio-political structure. This is a global truth for the entirety of time. Like all of it speaks a better word than what we would speak for ourselves. It, it gives us more insight into into marriage, into how things are created, into what sin is and isn't, into where joy is found, into what generosity looks like, into what grace and compassion and justice really look like. Like it, the word of God, the truth of God, Jesus himself gives us a better indication of what that is than anything we could come up with on our own. And so 106, verse 106 is, have you made a commitment 
to say, Lord, I honor your ways as righteous. I'm going to build my opinions, my reason, my logic, my decisions. I'm going to build it on your truth. You know, Jesus preaches the, probably his most well-known sermon in the New Testament, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Part of his sermon is, to, is revisiting um, even the, the, a lot of the Old Testament Ten Commandments. He talks about um, what it means to, to be faithful, what it means to love the Lord, what it means to love your neighbor. He built, all these things are in there. And he gets to the end of his sermon and he says, listen to me, y'all, listen to me. For those of you that hear my words and do not build your life on them, you're like a foolish man that builds your house on sand. That when the wind comes and the, and the rains come and the floods come, will blow that house down. But to those of you that hear my words and not just the Sermon on the Mount, hear my words and build your life on them. You are like a wise man who builds his house on the rock that when the winds come and the rains come and the storms come, that that house will stand because of the foundation that it's on. That's Psalm 106. I have made a commitment to build my life on the righteous ways and words of the Lord. And so the question that would come up to me in this is, is this, is this your source for truth? The Bible, the word of God, the truth of Jesus? Or do you have some other source? Are you like the, the people that wear the reading glasses that like connect under your chin and you're like, you know what I'm talking about? Those kind of things. And you just put on the, the word of God when everything's fuzzy. As, I'm gonna read it now. I'm gonna use this in my lens now. Or are you constantly allowing yourself to look through the lens of the word of God to understand and give you perspective on life and how you are involved in it? Is it the source you go to? What are the places that you have a tendency to let some other source give you greater insight than the word of God? That would be a great confessional moment for you and for the Lord, maybe with other people. What is the place that you have a tendency to, to kind of fall victim to its perspective on the world, its perspective on life? Um, a lot of times just, just speaking, Generally, a lot of times this can be in areas of finances. This can be in areas of security. This can be in areas of, of, of you know, some of the other preferences that we find ourselves with, with in the world. Of, oh, I, I believe in this. I trust in, you know, this market. I trust in, in this understanding. I trust in these, what I think are these facts, rather than trusting in the word of God. You know, I ask husbands, young to-be husbands all the time in premarital counseling. It's always kind of a funny moment. I'll sit down with a young couple and it's a little bit of a test question. I'll, I'll say, who, who's supposed to be the provider in this relationship? You know, sometimes they'll look at each other in some events, uh, the, especially in maybe the early 20s, the, the wife might have a more secure job than the husband or tr trying to figure out their way in career world. But, but nine out of 10 times, the husband will kind of sit up straight and he'll be like, well, I'm supposed to be the provider. And I'm like, this is a trick question because the provider of your relationship is always intended to be the Lord. Yes. It's never intended to be either one of you. Yes. It's intended to be Jesus. What are the places you have a tendency to let some other source give you insight or opinion or permission in your perspective on the world? And would you commit today to declare how much you really trust God's holy word? Not to me. No, we're not gonna have past the mic. I trust the word of God, but like to him. God, I really do trust your word. 107, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. This will be the last verse we deal with. Give me life. I mentioned earlier to underline those personal pronouns, my, in 105. Well, you could do the same thing here in 107. You can underline or circle the word me. Give me life 
We need to be reminded of the life God has for us. You know, people have talked for, for years about the dangers or the fears of the prosperity gospel. You might, even when I say that phrase, uh, your mind might go to something very specific, prosperity gospel. Um, the truth is, God absolutely wants you to prosper. His definition of prosperity is probably just different than yours. Probably different than all of ours. But Jeremiah 29, 11 is still a true verse. He knows the plans he has for you, says the Lord. Not plans to harm you, but plans for you to prosper, to give you a hope and a future. John 10, 10 is still a true verse. That the thief might come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, Jesus, have come so that you might have life and have it to the full. That you might have life. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. He wants you to belong and to have a rich life according to his word. So here's a question we might consider with this. Is there kind of an area of your life that you feel the most lifeless? Maybe it's you feel lifeless in your marriage. You feel lifeless as a mom or a dad. You feel lifeless in your work. You feel lifeless in that estranged relationship. You feel lifeless in that other relational conflict. There's a place that you just feel lifeless. Take heart, friend, because you have a God that personally wants to give you life and to give you life in the most lifeless areas that you think you experience. Have you ever asked him to give you life in those areas? Like, Lord, I, I'm struggling with my husband or wife. Or would you, your, your word says, you give me life. Would you give me life and understanding and vitality and what it means to be a husband or what it means to be a wife? I'm struggling as a parent or my kids are struggling with me or I'm struggling with their decisions that they're making. Lord, would you give life to me there? We go back to 105. Is he lighting your path so that you can step for some other life or the life that he has for you? He's lighting your path for you to step directly in the life that he has for you. Will you trust him? You've been told, we've been talking about reconciliation and being an ambassador here on Sunday mornings. And I go back to my days where I worked in, in, in finance and banking, banking a little bit before I really took the call to ministry. Those two worlds couldn't be more opposite, but still neither here nor there. Um, but I remember my life of having to reconcile bank statements and, and, and reconcile, um, you know, balance sheets. And when you're reconciling a financial document, you know what you're trying to do to it? You're trying to bring it into order, into understanding and into balance. And in the exact same way, the Lord wants to give you life to bring your life into balance into balance. And he wants to speak order over it. You know, if you go back to Genesis chapter one, God, the creator says that, that he spoke and he brought order to creation. He does the same thing in my life and yours. He does it in every area of my life and yours. And so have we asked him, Lord, would you bring order and life to this place that I have great need or great lack? Would you bring order and life to this place that I feel pretty lifeless? Would you reconcile, would you bring into balance the arrangements of my life so that I might experience the life you offer according to what? His word. And then here's kind of the final little bit. Here's kind of the final little bit. As I say all these things, there's promises for us to carry and to walk in, to be encouraged by, by the truth of Jesus. There's two things. One, we recognize that his word is, like I said earlier, not just black and white sentences on, on a sheet of paper, that his word is a person. It's the truth that we find in Jesus, that it's in our relationship with Jesus that these things are revealed to us and in our relationship with Jesus that the truth of Genesis to Revelation becomes knowledgeable and understanding through the spirit of God to our, to our very lives. But number two, it's for you not to do this on an island. You wanna know some of the best advice I've ever gotten? So I've, I've, you know, as I've grown up and matured in my faith, I've seen somebody that, handles conflict really well following Jesus. And I'm like, 
Man, how'd they do that? Well, just go ask them. How'd they handle that conflict so well? How'd they have the grace to do that? How'd they navigate that situation with so much wisdom and compassion and understanding? When I notice that, I believe in the inner workings of what it really means to be the family of God that part of the reason that I even notice those things in other people is because God would say, you should ask them. You should let their testimony of trusting me rub off on you a little bit and you should do that to other people too. That as you handle your, the way that you handle your finances, the way that you handle your schedule, the way that you handle your family, the way that you handle conflict, the way that you handle your marriage, all of these places should be declarations and displays of who God is and, and not just in your own personal endeavors, but so that you might be an encouragement to other people as well. That's the purpose of us being in this all together. If you see something in someone else that falls into that Philippians 4 category of excellent, praiseworthy, go ask them about it. And if you get asked about it, have time for people. That would be my challenge to you. Have time. We, we say at our church all the time is somebody shouldn't just read my testimony to learn that I'm a Christian. They should also be able to look at my bank statement and learn that I'm a Christian. They should be able to look at my calendar and know that I love Jesus. They should be able to see in like these tangible spots of my life. They should be able to see how I conduct my household and live with my family and see that I'm a follower of Jesus and that I trust the word of God. It's not just something that I put on my Facebook or something that says, I'm a Christian. Yes. It's the way that I live. Yes. And so for us, like if, if you gave in, if you turned in your tax returns, you just got out of that season, if we turned in your tax returns or you let your bank statement be known, would it say where you put your hope and trust? Would it be the Lord if your calendar was in front of everybody, would it display and declare who you trust and how you walk with Jesus? Or would it say something else altogether? The point in all this is one, not just for us to be challenged, but for us to realize that my walk with Christ, my walk, you know, to go back to, to lawn chair, Larry, I'm not supposed to just sit around and do nothing. That my walk and, and my commitment to follow Jesus is not just for me. It's for my family. It's for other people around me. Not that they're saved by my effort, but what they are is influenced and displayed and declared who I put my trust in. You know, I think of the psalmist. He says, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we, we trust in the name of our God. And so for you, for your family, among your friends, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your relationships, are you somebody that if they really looked at your life, they'd be like, ah, just kind of sitting around. Or are you somebody like Lawn Chair Larry that says, ah, I'm not supposed to sit around and do nothing. You're someone that walks deeply in truth and relationship with Jesus. If you don't today, you can start. We're gonna have altar counselors down here and they would love to say, you tired of the routine and the ritual and just wanna start walking in relationship with Jesus? You can make that commitment today. For those of you that are, let me cheer you on and continue to do that. And for those of you that needed a little, just a little kick in the right direction, little nudge, little push on, on the bike, so to speak, may you be encouraged to let the word of God light your path and light your feet. To, to say, I'm gonna declare that his word is true and to look at his word and look at the truth of Jesus and say, Lord, would you give me life according to your will and to your way? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for just the opportunity we had to, to submit ourselves, surrender ourselves to you and to your word. I just pray that uh, you just remind us of your investment in us. Uh, your investment to us is not, in us is not a, hands off, like your investment in us is extremely personal, so personal that you went to a cross for my sin, for our sin, 
You went to a cross. You love us so much and you raised victoriously um, from the grave. Lord, your investment in our journey, in our walk, as we walk in truth, is more than we could ever possibly imagine or ask for. So Lord, I just pray that you just remind us of that. And I pray that you just, in, in the gracious and compassionate way you can, invite us to come on. To come on and really trust your word to light our way. Really trust your word to be true and righteous. And really trust your word to give life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.